Hello, we are back for another week of Rugby Collective podcast. Uh, obviously missed a week last week, but we're back raring to go. Great week of rugby, one of the highest scoring ever, I think, in the league. Um, obviously, Will's with me. I am James. Um, we're going to get into it, aren't we? Yes, we are. Week off. Do you feel rejuvenated, James? Mate, not really. Considering I spent a week in Turkey, I am knackered. Um, but it was you that made us miss the week, not me. I just want to put that on record. Um, I don't know. I've got some Instagram DMs that could uh, prove otherwise. But... Um, yeah, I was shattered because I've been up since like 2am. But I was I was prepared. I was going to do it. Put my body on the line. And you were like, oh, no, I'm going to King's Home to watch the rugby, uh, rugby Cup. So... Well, it was a good game in the end, so glad I did. Yeah. Um, yeah. Apologies for that. All the same. Lots has happened since we've gone. Um, since well, we lost a Premiership club. <laughs> well, yes, that is the big one. Obviously, um, confirmed. Was it yesterday or Monday? Um, we were recording this on Wednesday. Um, I think it was Monday. But uh, Worcester have officially gone into administration, which is obviously um, terrible, but has kind of been coming. Yeah. Um, so not not a massive surprise, but uh, yeah, obviously terrible news to uh, have been coming out of this week. Um, I think Diamond tweeted he tweeted and it summed it up quite well because I kind of thought it was coming, um, but then like they kept seeming to get through it, and then he tweeted the other day saying it's been some ride with the Warriors. Loved every minute. Good night from me. And I think when he as soon as that it was very real, like okay, this is done. Um. Or definitely this era of the Warriors seems to be done. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. But I think the important thing to touch on as well, like, because we, we sort of agreed before the pod, a lot of what's happened has already been said. So a lot of what we'll be, we would be covering if we did like a full podcast on this would just be going over old ground over and over. Um, but I think the important takeaways from it is they've been suspended from the premiership. Um there's been no confirmation whether the games have been cancelled or just um, postponed. Yeah. So if they've obviously been postponed, then hopefully they'll be um, played later on in the season. Because they've been suspended, if there's a takeover or if anything changes behind the scenes, they can come back into the, the league, which is obviously interesting. Um, the I think one of the annoying things for the players, because of obviously a lot of different situations, is the people who own the players' contracts and things haven't gone to administration. So as of right now, they can't leave the club, can they? They can only go on loan, which is, you look at your, you do on Van der Moers in Rory Sutherland, who's going to want to be preparing for the, the Autumn Nations. They might not have any rugby until until the first game. Yeah, it's not ideal. I mean, the whole place has not been ideal, but um, fair play to them. Um, obviously, we'll get onto their game on uh, weekend just gone in a minute, but they had a game, uh, obviously they played Newcastle last weekend, um, and on Friday they all had a vote. Um, uh, Dimes sat them all down and went, right, we can. you don't have to play this week, you can choose whether you want to play. And unanimously, every single player um, decided they wanted to play. And, I mean, they got a fantastic result out of it. So, fair play to them. But, yeah, they, some of these players may struggle, and obviously these players aren't earning, obviously they're not, none of them are going to be poor, but they're not earning football money's wages, are they? Not on um, millions of pounds a year. Um, so some of them you you do worry for. But I do think when they say about it being postponed, because Worcester have gone into administration, I can only see them being relegated anyway. It's such a... It's such, it, I'm in very much two minds about this, right? And again, just before we move on, half of me thinks you look at the morale of everything, you don't want to 
the you look at sorry the morals you don't want to you don't want to relegate a club really that like have gone through so much and would have come through the end of adversity should it be should they get to that point you don't want to relegate a club at all however it does almost encourage people to come in and try it again because what have the owners really lost in this situation they're coming out of it um and they're they're running away but they've not do you know I mean, there's not not a lot's happened. It's it's a real interesting moral debate, isn't it? But um, but yeah, I think on the rules, isn't it? They should be relegated to at least the championship. Yeah, well, they will be, I'd imagine. Um, I mean, and I think the the other scary thing is it looks like wasps are going the same way. Um, at this moment in time, it doesn't look like there's any other way wasps are going to avoid um a similar thing happening, which. And all the noises coming out of there are fairly negative, I'd say. So obviously that's not I um ideal either. No, not at all. But do you think that if one of the teams got relic because both teams are looking like they're gonna both go into administration, do you think that might save both of them? No, I think they'll both get relegated. Be, if I'm perfectly honest, because I think they have to uphold it. Because otherwise you just have it would just invite um reckless owners effectively. Um, and poorly and, and promote poorly poorly run clubs effectively. Um, but it would be interesting. What I think should happen is if both of them do get relegated, then you should bring. Obviously, there was not meant to be promotion this season, but then you should bring up a championship club. Um, so then you've just got your flat twelve again, and you can you don't have to have mess around with bye week as, as well. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree with that. However, the, the like the three year plan or whatever they set out might be a little bit effective. Well, it would be effective, wouldn't? Yeah, but, but the three year plan have player uh, teams going bust. So yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, also, while we're on this topic, um, so there's, there's been an interesting point. Um, we've put some stuff out in the socials this week as well about it. Uh, ticket prices. It's been a big debate. Obviously, sales owners come out um, uh, last week, I think, saying. Should should um, we really look at lowering ticket prices? Because obviously, I think this was after sales ho- first home game of the season. Obviously, the AJ Bell's got about a twelve thousand capacity somewhere around there, and they only got four thousand fans in. And a lot of people are saying, "Yeah, the ticket prices are too high." Um, I don't know what your thoughts are about this, Will. Yeah, I, I completely agree. To be honest, um, I did some number crunching, which I won't bore everyone with now, but. Essentially, with the the expected rise that you'd get by lowering the ticket to a so we, we did poll it as well, and the, the most common answer was either 20 to 30 quid for like a not like a bad seat, but one of like a not a middle seat um sort of thing would be 20 to 30 pounds, and then 30 to 40 would be like your top seats, like your your middle in the in the middle stand, everything like that. Um if you reduced it to those and made it more affordable. That would you would then generate more revenue from having cheaper tickets and more people than having less people with the, the ticket prices that as they are at the moment. Um, I don't want to pick on any specific clubs here, but I was looking at like Bath tickets, and I'm pretty sure Bath tickets start at like 45 quid for a normal game, and then like your your middle seats are about 70 if you get them at the end. Um, and then for a Prem Cup game for the corner in the in the right in the corner where you couldn't really see anything, and I think it might have been um not undercover was 25 quid for a midweek prem cup game for an adult like to me that seems really expensive and it, it actually did stop me going tonight um because i just can't afford that sort of prices when you go into to a game every weekend anyway um so yeah i think if you drop the the, the price down 
really advertise it so you give them back to the the community to make it a more affordable game especially in the in the cost of living sort of situation that we're in right now i think there's just a lot you can do isn't there with with bringing that down isn't there really yeah well i think clubs have been looking into it um so i last season barely went because i just mostly um going to gloucester you're looking at um especially if you're looking in the shed it's 30 quid at least um per game and i just can't really afford that but then um my dad is a seasonal ticket holder and he managed to get me, me one uh, a discounted ticket this season uh not, not a season ticket uh for the first game of the season so it meant that the wasp game was much more affordable um and i think it does only need to come down by that 10 15 quid a, a game because i think it's a big difference if you're paying 20 quid a ticket to go and see that's not too bad if you if generally people go with a mate or whatever 40 quid for two tickets are not too bad if you're then looking at 60 quid for two tickets it is a big big difference i think uh, especially when you're then paying excess for the pints and, and and all that and food whilst you're in the ground um which is just expected so i i think they can be looked at but yeah and it is it's just sensible business isn't it, it rather than having four thousand people if you can even get seven thousand but they're paying slightly less surely that's just good business yeah exactly that and a, a fella um a guy called gary compton who messaged uh the the facebook page he, he just put and it sums it up quite sim- simply if they have empty seats then yes makes sense as full seats are always better than empty seats especially at, at any price sorry and it, i think that makes a, a lot of difference doesn't it if you're trying to grow the game doesn't matter how, how much it costs in essence you want to be filling the seats don't you and that's that's what we need to do is is keep on building and filling those seats so well the atmosphere the an interest increases the atmosphere and the better the atmosphere the more people want to go if you go to a stadium and the atmosphere is a bit crap then you, you you don't really want to go again if you've got a full house and the atmosphere is buzzing you'll come out of it and be like oh i really want to go get her back again so it all feeds into itself i think the other thing is as well i know we've, we've spoken a lot about the salary cap and we're about to talk about some sign-ins or or, or rumors anyway um which could be but I think the salary cap is having a detrimental effect because the price has been going up and you look at because of the salary cap more and more players seem to be leaving so the products the quality of the products is potentially decreasing yet this price is going up and I don't think those two really match if a couple of seasons ago the premiership was undoubtedly the best league in in the well in the definitely northern hemisphere and you saw that because consistently premiership teams were the best in Europe well, now you look at it and the French teams and Irish teams, I don't think the English teams may be Saris, but apart from that, really, we can't compete. I agree. Yeah, I completely agree. And you, you, I think in theory, and there was a good piece of, from David Flatman the other day, you need to get your own house in order before you start even worrying about Europe. Like you look at how France is so in order. France gets, I think, I don't know if this is a fact. I don't want to say this is a fact, but I think the Pro de Two um, actually gets... Um, better, if not the same viewership, like in terms of footfall at the grounds as the Premiership, and that's the French second division. So I think that says a lot about where they are as as like an internal having your own house in order, and that's obviously why they're now going on to to have these bigger salary caps to to go and start dominating Europe. You know, this is the the difference that we're we're seeing in the game. And you look at how that's fed into the French national team, and as soon as your national, it's the same as anything. 
as soon as your national team's doing well, the whole the whole thing's lifted. Like, um, if you think about football in like 2015 sort of time when the England national team was awful, suddenly the whole nation's feeling around, especially during the international, is is right down. Where I think, especially with rugby, with the emphasis on international games and how so many more people will watch during the international periods, if we can get England right back up to that well where we were at the last world cup then it's suddenly the buzz around it um well like 2019 i don't think we've ever really seen anything like it in england with the buzz around rugby how many people like so many people i know who don't even really watch rugby were there watching that world cup final do you know what i mean yeah i i completely agree and an interesting point on that right so i've got a friend who you met the other the other day um who has just got involved in rugby and he's, well, I say just got involved, he's been involved, like started to watch for the last couple of years. And I said to him, I said, as someone who was very new to the sport and now he's got a season ticket and he, he comes along and he loves it. I said, how did you actually start to learn the sport? Like, how did you find out about it? How did you start like getting involved? Cause I thought it was quite interesting for um, sort of like an adult, for someone who's not been in, involved in the, the sport from being a child. Um, yeah. And he said, Honestly, from just talking to, to people, hearing about it, he's, he's moved to Gloucester, so obviously you hear about it more in the pubs and things like that. And I said, what about, like, the rules? How did you start understanding it? Was it just watching games, was it? And he said, to be honest, he didn't really get it for, like, the, like the first few games he watched, but it was when he was talking to people about the basic type of rules. And then because he sort of started to understand those, then he was sort of asking further questions. But they were all coming from peers who were at the game. And I think if you're, if you're thinking about how do I get into football, on a Saturday night, you put match of the day on and they, they break down every single premiership game and they give you like a real in-depth sort of, albeit the opinions might be wrong sometimes, but an in-depth sort of idea of what's going on, why some teams are doing better, why some teams are doing worse, sort of different things on that. And then you can build off of that, can't you? Um, but with rugby, it just you just don't have that sort of access point. You've got to rely on, on the fans to to then grow it for you, in essence. Well, yeah, they have their ITV highlights, but yeah, generally the ITV, like if you, if you compare the ITV highlights, which is an hour programme, they ram it all in, really, yeah. um, to match the day, which is an hour and a half and maybe five games, do you know what I mean? Whereas they try to ram all the weekend fixtures. it You don't really um get the same quality in and in, in depth and also i do think in a way it is how the football is much easier game like it does you could anyone pretty much can turn a football game on and you can kind of figure out right he's putting that ball in that net oh he scored like it is a much simpler game um but yeah i, I do agree it would realistically you have to have bt sport if you want to have any like in-depth and consistent rugby um like punditry and, and, and coverage. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. I completely agree. There's a there's a lot to build on, isn't there? Yeah, there is. Um, as we were talking about, we actually got a lot out of the league to talk about this year. Normally we say Prem focus because that is our main focus and um, and that is what most of our listeners care about more. But um, we are going to look outside of it. Uh, an interesting one which did happen, a, well, nearly two weeks ago now, but... Um, Christian Wade is back in the sport, obviously had a hiatus off playing for the Buffalo Bills in the NFL um, and has come back to Rassin and has signed there. Good signing? Well, well, we'll soon find out, won't we? I think on paper it's a good signing, but he hasn't played rugby in however long, so it's uh, it'll be interesting to see how 
how he goes, but I, th- I think, yeah, I don't see why not. He's a bit of, to be honest, if you can't score in that Racing back line, then you're probably not great anyway, let alone putting a, someone who's got as many tries as, as Wade does. So, yeah, I think I think it's a good move. And he could be joined by a certain Scottish fella soon as well. Yeah, well, that's the thing. I think for Racing, it's a, it's a, a free swing, isn't it? They've got such a good team. If he doesn't play very well, oh, well, we've got amazing players everywhere else. Um, and if he does play great, Good. We've got a really good player, and he's still only, I think, thirty. So he's still not. Uh, oh, be playing for England next year, mate. Well, you can. That was part of the reason why he left because you can get in the English team. Yeah. Um, another one is Stuart Lancaster, obviously ex England coach, um, has gone from moving from Leinster, where he was he- joint head coach, and he's moving to Rass- actually Rassin as well to become the director of rugby. Um, obviously a big, well, kind of a step up there. Um. And I don't really have much else to say. Just a bit of news. <laughs> yeah, no, I think um, he's been getting a lot of smoke for that on, on socials and stuff like that. Saying, oh, it's an easy job. Why would you do that? Why would you not do it? Why would you not go to France, what? get paid a big bag and um, coach some of the best players in the world and really put your stamp is, on the, the style of rugby they play? Is Leinster not an easy job as well? Well, yeah, I'd say so. That's what I'm thinking. It's not like he's gone from maybe a Connell or someone like that who who are a bit of a lower team. Leinster generally uh, win 90% of their games they play. Yeah. Whereas Racing are still in a very competitive league. So I'd say, I I'd, I wouldn't argue, like, it's not really an easy job. Um, I'm impressed that you just announced a, a new Racing manager and, a, and was able to offend a Connell fan base as well in the same uh, sentence. That's quite impressive. I didn't say Connell. What? I'm just saying they they're not as good as Leinster, which is well, that's not really news, is it? Well, <laughs> well, opinions of James's own. We'll just put that out there. Before. What would you say, Connor, are as good as Leinster? Would you say, what's your next bit of news? Would you say, Connor, are as good as Leinster? What's your next bit of news, James? <laughs> exactly. Um, <laughs> next bit of news is actually we're going to Connor. Um, we're talking about Bundyaki. Is he play for Connor? I might have messed this up. No, he does. Yeah, he does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. Um, he got a red card this weekend um, and stood on the pitch arguing with the referee for about five minutes about it. Um, have you seen it? Yes. yes. I it. Yeah, I did. Um, we had a conversation about it. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> what What do you think? Honestly, don't know. Um, first time I saw it, I thought, yeah, he's flown in with the shoulder. Um, he's hit him in the head. Blah, blah, blah. Um, yeah, I, th- I think it is. I think there's there's only so much he can do it once he's coming in to clear out. And I think it's a little bit of a tricky one because when the the player attempting to jackal is that far over the ball, it's a bit well not far over the ball, sorry, that's sort of low down, you know. That's it's quite a um a tough area to to go and clean out when he's that low. Um but at the same time he does have a duty to to stay in a, in a position and in control where he's not going to smash him in the head. And unfortunately, that's what he did. And the player did come out with injury. So it obviously shows that it was a high degree of force as well. So I don't think you can really argue too much. But when I say I don't think you can argue, you can argue because Bundyaki did a really good job of arguing yeah. that three goals. Well, that was, that's his big point, isn't it? He's like, what do you want me to do? The player was in such a good position that he has to come in with some force because otherwise he's just not going to move him. Um, I guess what you would say is you should try and like sumo roll him and maybe that's the way of doing it. But again, it would be difficult. And probably by the time he's got in the position to do that, it's a penalty for holding on. Um, I, I do feel for him a bit because it like, what is he meant to do? It, I do kind of agree. And had the player not got injured, do I think it would have been a red card? No. Um, 
he I, I think it is one of those cause um and effect ones that if if the player gets up and is fine, I don't think that's a red card. And you probably see a lot of lot of rooks are very, very similar in a game, in most games, and they go completely unchecked and they're never a red card. But because the player has got seriously injured, and I believe he's out for four to six months, I'm not sure on the injury, but it seems like he's a long-term injury. Um, I, I feel like that is the reason why he's got the got the, um, the the red card. Well, let's be honest; it certainly doesn't help, does it? <laughs> it no. certainly no. doesn't help the cause. No. Anyway, moving on to slightly better news. Well, especially if you're a Leicester fan um, yeah. today, Jack Bout. Jack who? Jack Van Portfleet, that man. Uh, George Martin and Freddie Stewart have all signed new contracts, uh, which is big news because they're all fairly young. I don't know how old George Martin is, but the other two are uh, young. I think he's about 15 or something like that, George Martin. Yeah, and um, they're all young, English, and um, really upcoming, good, good, very good players. Um, and especially Freddie Stewart, who was linked quite a few times to a move away at the end of the season. Um, so keeping him, I'm sure Tigers fans are ecstatic about. Yeah, I, I, I agree. It's, it's I, the biggest. Obviously, all three are brilliant players, and we know how good Jack Van, Van Portfleet is. Um, we know how good Jack, uh, George Martin is based on the start of the season. He's been here for fun. Um, the big one for me is Freddie Stewart because obviously the rumours of the the contract stalling, the rumours that he wasn't going to sign, he was going to move elsewhere. Um, yeah, there was, there was some uh, some big rumours flying about with him. So to, to get him sort of nailed down is huge because he's got to be one of the best fullbacks. Well, in the that's world. what I was just about to say. It's nice having the best fullback in the league and uh, in the world on your team. Yeah, I agree. Who's, who's better? Well, apart I mean, from you, obviously, on the on the yeah, me, on the Saturday me. afternoon. But apart from that, I mean, you, could you argue Liam Williams? Maybe, maybe, maybe so. I, I, I think. Yeah, prob- probably so. I think Jordy Barrett, maybe. Mate, he's a twelve now. Yeah, but he plays fullback generally. <laughs> yeah, he is. He is good. He is good. Jaminet is really good. He's probably in the conversation. I wouldn't put Jaminet above him though. Um, I, I wouldn't put Jaminet above him, but I put him in the conversation. Zaffers, Willie Larue. Oh no, I wouldn't put Willie Larue there. No. Um, Keenan. I think, I think for me, and I know it's a really like two D way of looking at it, but. You play in a team which focuses on such a, a good kicking game, and then you have a six foot five centre who can jump like a flipping kangaroo. I don't know, uh, it's a really crap analogy. Um, can get up and he just commands the aerial game. He is You're more of a centre. What did you say? He's more, more of a centre. Well, we no, you, you called him a centre, and he's not a centre, he's a fullback. Did I call oh, what just then? I called him a centre, yeah, yeah. Oh, right, go. okay, yeah. Um, <laughs> what I would say though is I think he could play twelve. Probably he could play. He, I reckon. I'm not sure in his hands, um, but apart from that, he could probably play most positions in the back. How often have we seen him fly up right, and then all of a sudden he jumps in just off of the turn and then hits like a crash line? Once yeah. you, I don't know how much he weighs. What do you reckon he weighs? One oh five. No, I'll Google it. You keep talking. Yeah, I reckon 105, maybe 110. I think that's 110. He certainly doesn't weigh 110. Um, um, I don't know. It's a it's a tough call, isn't it? But um, yeah, I think he's he's definitely got the physical. 107. Oh, mate, between 105 and 110. That's a good call. Um, but yeah, I think he's he's an outstanding player. Don't get me wrong. Is he 22? I think so. 
Uh, young, uh, maybe 23, but yeah, um, yeah. Uh, I mean, brilliant sign. Well, I'm not signing, but um, sort of sign. Um, other news, uh, and a bit shit for Exeter fans, Sam Simmons is on his way to Montpellier as a replacement for Zach Mercer, which Brilliant. is rough. Um, we were debating this. It's a bit weird, I said to you, because he's finally got in the England squad, or England setup, and he's now leaving. But then you said he's not been in the England setup much recently. But then I was like, he's in, been injured. So it's, it's a difficult one. Maybe he's maybe he's in and out. Um, who knows? And then, yeah, then he gets called up to this training squad. I'm guessing he's partially thinking, right, well, I'll be at the World Cup because I'll still prepare for Exeter then. So I'm either at the World Cup as an Exeter player or I'm not. And then after that, he doesn't really care, I guess, maybe. I suppose you can flip that, can you? What does what do you say about Zach Mercer? Does he count as a Gloucester player by then? I wouldn't say so, no. So I would say Sam Simmons can play at the World Cup, but Mercer, no. Okay. But yeah. I don't know. I don't know how that works. Um, Is that because you don't want him to get injured before he comes to Gloucester next season? I mean, I just would say Mercer hasn't played... Like, you haven't played a game for the club, so you're not really there. Do you know what I mean? No, I'd agree with that. I'd agree with um, that. That was like when, um, that was like, did you see when Worcester, um, when Worcester signed Dion van der Merver and Roy Sutherland before they even joined, like a week after the announcement and they went to the Lions, he was like, the, the Worcester um, socials was all like, Worcester boys getting their Lions call-ups and everything like that. Like, steady on, lads. Not quite Worcester boys. Not quite yeah. Worcester boys yet. Um, and it gets worse for Exeter because it's also heavily rumoured. This one looks like it's happening. Um, not sure which club to yet, but Jack Knoll also looks like he's out the door. Um, going to France. Not sure where though. Right, this is. I got a bit of a bit of a question to ask you on this. Right, I love Jack Knoll. I think Jack yes. Knoll is a fantastic player. I really like the way he plays. I think yep. he's brilliant. Yeah. Do you take him to the World Cup? Would I, or do you? Does would you, would you, if you're in the if you're in the hot seat, would you take him to the World Cup? Um, yeah, I, I, I don't know because I'd have to plan out my whole squad. But I, off my top of my head, yes, as a as a utility player because he can play thirteen, he can play wing, um, can play, play fullback if you really need him to. Can play seven. Can play. Well, I wouldn't want him playing seven, but um. Well, what'd you say? Eddie Jones said that's his best. But Eddie Jones will definitely, if Eddie Jones will definitely take Jack Knoll. Yeah, I think he will. I think I think you bring him in for experience. Yeah. I tell you one, we're not going to touch on the England squad because it's a stupid yeah, trade. Yeah. There's nothing to make of it, really. Um, but I don't know how Johnny May keeps getting picked. He hasn't played a game for five, six months or so. Six. And he. He's oh. in there. I don't understand. There's so certain rumor. Certain English. We, hello, are you talking? Carry on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You carry on. You carry on. Sorry, right. my... there's certain English wingers who are doing very well in this Premiership who can't get a look in. But yeah, Johnny May, who's getting on, and um, not even been in the best form when he has been playing for Gloucester, but hasn't played for Gloucester because he's been injured. Keeps getting in. It's an odd one for me. See, I've, I've got a theory about this, right? So a little birdie told me that Johnny May is actually doing a lot of coaching stuff at Gloucester now. So behind the scenes, he's actually doing quite a, not, not necessarily a coach role, but he's mentoring a lot of the boys as well. Just sort of... Well, they've got a lot of young mentor. wingers at Gloucester, haven't they? That's what I'm thinking. So I think maybe you take him in as just like a bit of experience for, for some of the younger lads coming in. I don't know. Maybe that's maybe, maybe. that's what's happening. 
Um, well, he's starting tonight in his first because I was going to say maybe that makes sense. He's just in the squad pretty much as a coach, but then he is he is fit because he is playing tonight in the Premiership Cup for Gloucester. Well, you don't want to name an unfit player. Do you know what I mean? You, you're not going to name someone who can't play because then. Have you squad. seen some of those England players? <laughs> True. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I don't know, man. I, I I think he's there for more of a mentoring coach. But the amount of times we say this, right, and then Johnny May just rips it up in in England. Do you know what I mean? He's he's a, yeah. a different beast playing for England. So we'll we'll see how it goes. But I think my first winger name on the team should be Caden Moore. Oh, thank you. Finally, you're giving me some recognition. <laughs> well, not me. I'm not Caden Murley. But <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. I've been good, calling it. I've been calling it for at least six months, if not more. Um, no, not, early last year, I was saying Caden Murley. Yeah, I, I agree. Yeah. Yeah, I am right. Um, and the other major one, which this one is much more of a rumour and may not happen at all, but there's big rumours that Maro Itoji, after the World Cup, could either go to Japan or France um, and look for, well, basically more money, I'm assuming, over there. Which, I mean, just if anything, say, in the salary cap's not going well, is him on the money he's on still wanting and knowing he can go and get more money elsewhere. Um, obviously, Simmons and Noel going abroad looks like it. Because that's the thing. Lots of You wouldn't see that happen very often, would you? Not English players going abroad. Um, you think of, like, your Stefan Armitage and stuff like that, um, Nick Abendanen. They were big outliers, but they, like, it wasn't a common occurrence where if you look at all these names, regular England internationals all going off to France. I mean... Yeah, it's sad, isn't it? It's it's uh... it is. uh, and obviously that I told you one is is a lot um a lot more speculation than anything. But it'd be sad to see him leave, especially for Saracens, because he is such a good player. Um, but it'll be interesting if that happens because he he's not that old, is he? What twenty seven something like that? Yeah, he's not. He's, he's certainly not going there for so, retirement money, is he? No. So if he then, well, you wouldn't be able to pick it for England. You wouldn't have thought. So whether that one actually comes to fruition or not is is up in the air as of now. Um, yeah, I definitely take that one with a big pinch of salt. To be fair. Yeah, but I thought it was it was a rumor. I thought it emphasised my point well. So I'm doing a bit of my like GCSE English or whatever I used to do, like evidence in me point. Yeah, look at me go. <laughs> well um <laughs> I know look at me again. Um right. Uh any more news? I don't think so. I do not think so. I think the Worcester boys that are potentially off is maybe the only other one, isn't it? Um, uh well there's nothing new. I think we've said Duhan might be going to France. Um Haverhill Ireland. He's gone, hasn't he? He's gone to La Rochelle, I think. Oh, he's going to France as well, not Ireland. Uh, I got that one wrong. Um and then Rory Sutherland. I did also see um, that apparently Edinburgh were trying to sign Rory Sutherland on loan and then get Duan van der Merwe back on a permanent deal. Don't oh. That is. Having Duan van der Merwe and Buffelli in the same back, back line would be quite nice, though, I think. Yeah, but Edinburgh aren't great, are they? Um, they're, they're not bad, mate. They're, they're not bad at all. Um, who Probably else? Oh, and also BBC put out a nice report that said that Ted Hill, who was the club captain of Worcester, has only been there three months. Like that's um, actually that's actually a very sub, like substantial. I know it's like we joke about it, but that that does sum up a lot of what's wrong with the sport, you know. Well, Ted Hill, how can you have a club captain who's been there three months? 
That means literally you brought him in and he became captain immediately. Like, what? <laughs> yeah, that's that's good news coverage getting a really bad rap from there, isn't it, really? No, I don't understand how, like, how can you look at that and think, oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, stupid, stupid. Anyway, moving on to this week's fixtures. Um, I mean, what a game week. Every game was <clears throat> exciting. Um, nearly all of them were close. Uh we were looking at doing maybe the biggest bottle job of the week, but we decided that was too hard to do because um, so many teams bottled it or nearly bottled it. Um, where do you want to start? Friday night? Seemed like a good place to start. We'll go for that. Yeah. Bath Wasps at the wreck. Uh, Relegation bath. No, I didn't mean that. I didn't say that. <laughs> that just came um, out. Well, if Wasps could play like they play in the first half, in the second half, they'd be halfway decent. And I'll tell you what, if Bath could play in the second in the first half, like they played in the second half, they might be out about as well. Yeah, but Bath, yeah, but Bath have played in first halves this season. Uh, um, I'm, I'm not, not sure have actually played a second half yet. No, to, to be fair, it was an absolute collapse. I, I, I put a post out after I said, I don't know if you're even happy about that as a Wasps fan. Like, <clears throat> well, I mean, you are. You got a five point win. I know, but. You look at the bigger picture, and it's still worrying, isn't it? The the way. Uh, also, big loss. Isn't Barbary out for like eight months or something? Uh, I saw he got injured. I did not see length or anything. I think like. I saw he was out for about eight months or something like that. Or it was eight weeks. Don't know. We'll have to we'll have to confirm that. That is a big There's a big difference. He's out for a period. I'll tell you that. He's out for a while. He's not going to be back. I think it was eight months. I want to say eight months, but um, that's a. Uh, that's not to be confirmed. He's out for a while anyway. It's a big loss. Um, but no, he's, it was a big, um, it, was a, it was a bad result for, for Bath, obviously, but they still take a losing bonus point, which I suppose isn't the, the worst thing in the world, but it's, it doesn't you look got a losing bonus point? Sorry, you cut out. I have no idea what you said. Bath got a losing bonus point, didn't they? No, they didn't. Did they not? They got four tries, no? Oh, yeah, but that's not a losing bonus point. A losing bonus point's been within seven. Oh, sorry. Well, sorry. They lost and got a bonus point. That's my mistake. They come yeah. away with one point from the from the fixture. Yeah. Um, yeah, but they should have had two until um, Jacob Omanga decided, nah, you no, know, you're not having it right at the end. But Wasps looked electric in that first half. Like, that was the thing I thought was maybe different um, about the Gloucester game was when you compared it to the Gloucester game, Wasps in the first half were okay, but nothing special. So when they were in the second half, Gloucester just turned it up. And I'm not sure actually Wasps' performance actually got much better. I think they were slightly worse. But this game, they literally tore Bath apart so many times and, and really got on on top and looked really good. Bassett scored a nice try. Um, I don't know who else scored, but I know Bassett scored a nice try. Um, whereas, yeah, and yeah, so they were... And then I, I guess... The only thing for maybe you saw it, Bath, they let Bath in right at the end of the half, scoring that one try. Um, and then it kind of maybe gave them a bit of momentum going into halftime, which obviously they came out the second half and looked a different team. Yeah, no, it's exactly that. Um, I tell you, he was good with Zumago, wasn't he? Yeah, he was. Uh, not great under the high ball, but then I guess that's the problem when you have a five foot nine or whatever he is uh, fly off at fullback. Yeah, I think that could be quite a tasty competition for the 10 shirt going forward. Atkinson versus Umaga, I think that oh, might Atkins, Atkinson's looked very good. Um, yeah, he has looked mint. That's the f- problem. Umanga's, ve- you know he's got that quality, but is he consistent enough? Where Atkinson has shown 
this season in sparks. He is very, very good. But yeah, I mean, I think the thing that it boils down to is this is two not very good teams, really. Yeah, no, I'd agree. Um, you can't, after that game, you can't see either side going on to be like a top four contender. However, you, you take a little snapshot of like the first half with Wasps. If they play like that, as you say, stretch it over a full 80, they, they definitely could be. Yeah, but I, I don't know. I just can't see them consistent. And like, how can you go from that half where they score 31 points and ripped Bath apart? And Bath weren't great, but they still showed bits. Um, to the week before where they couldn't score against Bristol. Like, uh, it doesn't really make sense. No, I agree. I agree. Um, yeah. But I think I think the right, I think that was the right result for the performance. Yeah, I think so, because I think Bath were, I don't know, it was just such a momentum game. It was weird. They just didn't really seem to do, they just couldn't deal with anything. It was one of those ones where you couldn't really tell if it was Wasps being like exceptionally good or Bath just being quite poor. But either way, it led to the same result, didn't it? Yeah, I tell you what, it makes, I think Bristol, I think it makes Bristol, actually out of the three, it makes Bristol look bad because Bristol, what, just about beat Bath and then fairly comfortably beat Wasp. But if you look at both of those teams aren't very good, Bristol have not really comfortably beat either of those. I know that's that's going to be my point when you go to look at the league, I think Bristol are top. Um, and obviously there's not much focus on the league at the moment because it doesn't really matter, but I'm not sure they're actually all this talk. Bristol are back. I'm not sure. Well, they 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 need to prove themselves still, don't they? But um, I think, mate, if if Genji keeps playing like he does, I think they'll be all right. Yeah, well, go yeah, going on to Bristol uh, Irish, um, Bristol Irish. They obviously won forty points to thirty six. Um, again, very patchy displays by both teams. Uh, Irish um, went ahead ten nil. Then, then Bristol went to 26-10 at half-time and absolutely dominated them. Um, and then Irish came right back at them. And then Bristol pulled away again. And then Irish came back at them again. Um, very, very patchy. And I, I think it shows that neither team are going to be that good. And I also think I think I will be more correct for my position in the Irish. I don't think Irish are that good a team. See, I think they are. I think they're just... And it's a tough thing to say because when the league's as competitive as it is, they just need to tie those last couple of bits together, you know, to get those results. Um, if you don't focus on the, the Worcester result, though, which was obviously a little bit of a uh, different circumstances, um, they obviously got beat quite heavily at, at Falcons, and not Falcons, Falcon. um, <laughs> at Saints, and then obviously took a, took a loss to Bristol. So it be interesting to see how they go. Obviously, Bath this weekend, um, which would be a, an interesting game. Um but yeah, do we know who started 10? Hang on, so so this was the first week where um McGinty started 10, wasn't it? Um, oh, yes, yeah, I just looked it up. Sheedy's started the other two, and I think that's the difference this year. I've noticed in Bristol, obviously, they play front football all the time, but this year they're really taking the ball to the line again. And then playing off the line, like they scored one try off a set piece where McGinty took it to the line, popped it to the um, 12, I think, or Pierre Tau, actually. He then broke the line and then offloaded and they're through. 
Whereas that was what they were missing last year was Sheedy wasn't running anything up the line. It was all five yards back. And so the, the defence was so much easier. So they do look much hard, like they're carrying it harder. They're, they're taking everything at a better pace. And they do look like they're back towards two seasons ago. I don't think they are at that level, but I think they're up towards that way. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, oh, is semi injured? Is semi injured or is semi coming back from injury? So I've I've heard um, from uh, one of my friends that uh, semi very reliable source with uh, a lot of Bristol news. I've heard that he's back mid October, um, so he's only a few weeks away. I don't know whether he'll go straight off to Fiji. Yeah, I was going to say he, then he goes off with Fiji. So do you think um, he will though? Did he, he didn't go last time to Fiji when he was fit? Did he? I don't know. I think he'll be available for selection though. For at least he'll he'll be fit again by then. Um, so, yeah, I'm not sure. Um, and then we're going to focus on next our game of the week. Which can you let us know if you like the game our game of the week selection or not? Because we're debating whether to do them or not. Um, if people really like them, we'll keep doing them. If people aren't asked, we might stop doing them and then just focus on it, uh, other bits of content. But if you do like them, let us know. Um, Leicester, Northampton, what are your thoughts about that? Um, Self-implosion, wasn't it, really? I think Leicester looks shite. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> Fair enough. Like, cool. like, I think Northampton should have been clear at half-time. They were so dominant. They destroyed them and looked so comfortable. I think Northampton should have been out of sight at half time. Um, and then I think the refereeing was atrocious. I'm not going to lie. So I missed a chunk of this game, which turned out to be probably the most important chunk of the game. Um, when I came back, there was three Saints in the bid. Um, yeah. So I missed quite an important chunk of that, of that game. Um, however, I think the, from the bits I watched, Northampton looked brilliant. I thought they looked fantastic. And then Leicester tended to have all of their dominance when Saints had 13 on the field. Uh, well, 12 or 13 on the field. Yeah. Um, there was is- quite a large period of time, wasn't there, where Leicester were just camped out on Northampton's line. And then it was only when the cards came, they actually went over it. Isn't that right? Yeah, basically. Um, who was the... Re- was it... It was Dixon. It was Dixon. Oh, Dixon, yeah. I hated the way he refereed the game. So... He warns, he warns Northampton, yeah, you're giving away too many penalties, you're giving away too many penalties, I'm going to pin you. Fair enough. Then Northampton break up the pitch, get the ball back, break up the pitch, um, and give away a penalty on Leicester's about 22. He then yellow cards the player because he's like, right, you've given away too many penalties. Leicester then go down the pitch, and in fairness, this is what Leicester it killed Northampton, really, they they go down the pitch. There was a penalty. Uh, there was a a knock on, um, um, off the penalty. I think and and Northampton were destroyed at the scrums all day. Fair enough. Leicester absolutely dominated them there. And then straight from that p- scrum, Dixon then gives another yellow card immediately. Right. Um, which for me is completely wrong. You can't do him. You can't do a player for consistent penalties. Do one at the other end of the pitch for consistently giving away, and then do another one for consistent penalty, surely. Yeah, no, that's, that makes sense, yeah. Um, which I didn't like at all. 
Um, it was actually Yogan who went to the bin, who, who did have a tough day at the scrum. And you could argue, yeah, one was for too many penalties, one was for constant penalties in the scrum. But for me, if you've given one away for two, like to give it a, like a, culmula- a culmination of penalties, you can't then do one again for another penalty. Um, and then that from there, Saints were screwed. Leicester turned the squid, um, then Mitchell got a bin in as well for knocking the ball, a deliberate knock on, which they they were scrambling with 13 players. Um, what can you do? And Leicester obviously pulled away and it made it look easy, but what you should do when you... In fairness, Leicester did well against 12 and 13 men. They they Too many teams don't put teams to the sword when they're, they're down players and Leicester did well to do that, but you should do that. Um, but for me, Northampton... In that first half, to only have been four points ahead, they should have been twenty, maybe even more ahead. They they were really dominant, um, and just it was that last pass. Or and also the other thing that in the second half, every time they released the pressure, so they they, as you said, camped out on their own line, working really hard, and then they get get out, and then they try and just try and score a try first first time out, and it was just like right. You don't have to throw all these miracle balls and then some were going forward, some were um, getting knocked on. And it was just like, just hold on to the ball, keep a, take a bit of pressure off yourself, have a few phases in Leicester's territory. You don't need to score immediately off this break. And that's kind of what they were guilty of doing too often. Um, and I think a bit in the first half as well, trying to keep the ball alive a bit too much when sometimes just take it to gr- ground, recycle it and keep hold of the ball. I would do if I was Leicester, right? If I was, if I was orchestrating some of the Leicester players. Just give it to Nadola. Every well, time. That was, that was the other problem. Northampton could not tackle Nadolo at all. He just... And any time they did, they had to put about three players, which was just creating so much space. Um, and he I think... A brutal that, runner, man. Yeah, it could be a problem for Northampton if teams do recognise this. If... I know not many teams have a Nadolo sort of player, but if you do have someone similar, maybe a manager to Alangi, maybe an Esther Hazen, if you target get him slightly wider, Saints could not deal with him at all in their backs, and and it just created so many options for Freddie Stewart, for Chris Ashton, for Guy Porter. Um. So yeah. Anyway, my little rant's over. I don't think Leicester were very good. <laughs> oh, absolutely fair enough. That's that's what we're that's what we're what we're after. Um, interesting to note actually before we move on to the next games. Um. We obviously spoke about the best ball carrier in the league, um, didn't we, on the last pod? And we did put it out to a vote. Um, and we had a lot of mixed reviews, James. We had a lot of different answers. Um, I think someone brought out the stats and said, statistically, Tom Willis is the best ball carrier. Um, and then I think he was closely followed by Joanna Augustus. I think that was statistically the best ball but carrier. Statistically is bullshit, because what's that? Most carries. No, no, no. Like, metres after the carry, um, metres per carry. Stuff like that. Um, so. Yeah, but that's always difficult because like players like fullbacks are going to get meters after carry, uh, meters carried because they run it thirty meters without touching anyone. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, you probably think that Nadola will have more opportunities versus like wingers who are won't be as good of a tackler as maybe a um, Dave Ewers running into a, a six. You know, so. There's, there's a lot of things to consider. I think Dave Ewers actually took the mantle that um, overall with the most votes. I think he he actually came through and got got most votes, which is what I said as well. So I yeah, well here's 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 the timeline just quickly showing you how 
Leicester did struggle before the yellow cards. So Augustus yellowed in the 64th. Um, Yogan then yellowed in the 68th. So that's down, they're down two. Um, then Chris Ashton scored in the 69th. Then Mitchell gets yellowed in the 72nd. Then George Martin scores in the 72nd. Then Freddie Stewart scores in the 75th and the 78th. Right, so they okay. scored four of their tries when um, Northampton were down to 13 men. Yeah, so that was uh, that makes a lot of... Um, yeah, you'd expect well, that as well, wouldn't you? It really? makes, yeah, well, me saying Leicester <laughs> didn't play very well. Oh, Leicester won 21-41. Well, yeah, but if you take out four tries, <laughs> suddenly... Yeah, it's a different, different perspective. Convinced. Yeah. Um, uh, well, anyway. Yeah, let's let's move on, shall we? Let's move on. I might get a bit of hate from Leicester fans. There's a yeah, lot of slightly. Slightly. Well, I saw that They were liking Jasper Visa, weren't they? A lot of Leicester fans wanted Jasper Visa as their best ball carrier. Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, and rightly so, to be fair, because he is a, he's like a proper relentless carrier, isn't he? Yeah. I'm not sure he's the best, though. Um, up there, uh, Sarri's Gloucester at the Stone X, another bottle. Um, unfortunately, so Gloucester, Gloucester, didn't they? In the end, yeah. I mean, you watched it, I didn't really, um, because I was watching Northampton and Leicester. I will say, there's a lot, a lot of negativity about this game, right? Um, from a Gloucester perspective, let's talk about it from a, from a Gloucester perspective to start with. Um, as you know, let's flip that, let's talk about Saracens to start with. Um, Saracens didn't really play well. It was a weird game. They didn't really do what they wanted to do. They didn't control the game. Um, what they did do is a couple of first phase plays. They just sliced Gloucester's midfield defence open um, and then ran in on a couple of uh, um, tries off of a bit of a scramble defence. Um, what they wanted to do, their game plan didn't quite go to, to plan, I don't think. Um, but I think they, they went back to, to form at the end, put the ball in the corner stuck it in a mall and then just kept it under their jumper and, and went through. And essentially, Saracens are incredibly tough to beat, regardless of the lead that you get. Um, especially at so, next yeah, definitely. Um, so credit to them, because they did have to fight back and muscle their way back into the game. And they did it. And with, with the, the players they've got there, it's not the first time they've done it and it won't be the last time they've done it. So credit to them, because they did look... Um, even when they weren't massively firing and in form, they still went back and chased the game. So, to credit to them, I thought Billy Vunapola was excellent again. A um, little bit of a back chat to the ref again, marching ten. Um, but yeah, on the field, he was he was fantastic and a real real issue at the breakdown. Um, Gloucester, I thought Gloucester actually played quite well. They they dominated the game. They dominated the ball. Um, they they looked good everywhere they sort of had it even when they weren't quite clicking they still managed to to clean it up and go again I thought Valrapava Ruskin was phenomenal uh, the best player on the pitch by some distance um, and yeah they, they just let gloss it was essentially just a bit of mismanagement in the last 10 where sometimes they should have kept it and they didn't sometimes they should have kicked it and they didn't um, a couple of 50-50 calls, which went, um, to be fair, they went both ways in the game. But, you know, in those like momentum periods when yeah. Gloucester were building, then they'd have a ping against them. Rightly so, don't get me wrong. But they, they just lost it in that sort of essence. And it was, a, it, was a, it was a great game to watch, especially for the for the neutral, but it didn't quite go. Did you see the McFarland incident? Yes, I did. Um... So I've been, this has been on my mind for literally since it happened. And I've been talking to a lot of... Uh, 
people about it. Um, if you haven't seen it, head over to the uh, Twitter page at Rugby Collective and have a look at it because it is extremely interesting. I might even link that below directly to the tweet because it's a really interesting decision. So essentially in the game, um, there was a bit of a, a time at a war break and the TMO asked Craig Maxwell-Keys to review an incident. Um, he actually asked him to review a dangerous tackle by Chris Harris, obviously the Gloucester centre, in which he tackles someone. It looks like he, he might take him over the horizontal, um, which obviously would have resulted in a penalty in a card. They looked at the, the incident and, and just wanted to make sure that was fine. As McFarland, who was the ball carrier, ran into Harris, he actually jumps up into the tackle. The TMO sees this as mitigation and said there's no foul play by, by Chris Harris because of the jump from um, the, the Saracens' second row. What is interesting is, in the rules, it's actually, in the, in the laws, I should say, it's actually um, not allowed to jump into tackles, which should result in a penalty. Again, it wasn't like a... He, he, it, it was a bit, I can you wouldn't be too you wouldn't lose sleep if it wasn't given. What what the the interesting bit was for me was as he jumps and Harris is going in for the tackle in in the position you should be in. Um, McFarland actually catches Harris in the side of the head. Um, obviously he's jumping up. He's a big man, Theo McFarland, and he hits him in the side of the head with his knee. If he doesn't jump into that tackle, he's not hitting him in the head. I think on the actual letter of the law now and on everything with the, the head contact, I think it should actually be a red card. I'd be, I wouldn't want a red card given to that person. But I think if you go by the letter of the law, it's actually a red card, isn't it? If you, what, what do you think, James? So I'm looking it up now, and technically, um, a jumping into a tackle is not illegal. However, most referees will give a penalty or something similar because it is endangering an opponent or doing something reckless. Um, and I do think it falls under that. I think as a knee's gone to the head, I think it, it would be one um, that obviously McFarlane's a tall guy and because he's jumped and his knee's gone out, I think technically yeah, he has he has endangered Chris Harris. I think it's another one, what I said about Bundyaki. If he jumps up, knees him in the head and Chris Harris is out cold, I think he's a red card all day. But because he hasn't, I think they're going to play on and not really give it. And I think you probably wouldn't give it. Um, it's, it's one of those that's not going to be checked. Like if, if they hadn't been worried about the way Harris had tackled him, it wouldn't have even been a red card. Uh, it wouldn't have even been checked. Sorry. Yeah, I agree. And actually, interestingly, I, d I don't know what you've just seen there, James, but as of this year, um, there was actually a law change, law 9.11. Um in the, the world rugby law, um, jumping into or over a tackle has now been marked as dangerous play. Um, so anything there is automatically deemed as a penalty and then looked at as a dangerous play. So well, that's, that was the weird thing I thought about because if they hadn't said it was a jump, but it was the fact the TMO literally went, oh yeah, he's jumped into the tackle there. And that was a bit where I was like, well, if, if you're considering it a jump into a tackle, surely that's a penalty at least. Yeah, I, I, I agree personally, but... Yeah, it actually led to a Gloucester try as well, which is a uh, sorry, the Saracens try, which is interesting. So, yeah. But if you're looking at it from a Gloucester perspective, I mean, well, I'm gonna I'm gonna play devil's advocate with myself. On the one side, these if you want to be top four, uh, top fourteen this season, these are the games you've got to win. Um, you look at Saris, obviously a top fourteen, and they they win these games. Um, but Gloucester really needed to win it. Um, 
But on the other side, if you'd said to most Gloucester fans or pretty much any Gloucester fans, two points out of a, a trip to the Stonex, yeah, you'd take that. And you also had Chris Harris on the wing for most of the game um, because Ollie Thorley got injured, I believe. Um, yes, he did. So, in like the 10th minute as well. Yeah, so you ended up with effectively three centres on, um, which isn't ideal. I mean, I know he scored a try, but I mean, you would have scored that try because he, he just ran it in. But um, yeah, so it, it wasn't an ideal scenario. Um, also, another point, Will Stewart is in this England squad, and I don't understand it because Bath are crap. I don't really rate Will Stewart either. Val Rapava Ruskin scored a couple of tries, looks great. Do they not play on different sides? I don't care. Offers a bit, <laughs> offers a bit more. Um, in the loose for me, like Rapava Ruskin is one of the best props in the league for me at, at getting over the ball. Um, yeah, I, I'd agree. I, I actually. I actually think Will Stewart played quite well when he went into England last time. Um, I was quite impressed with the way he carried in the loose. So I can see why he's in there. And I think that's also, there's not too much depth on that side. Um, so that, that's one thing. However, that being said, I think Val should definitely be in the window because he does it all. He's, he's a great scrimmager. He's great over the ball. He's a really, really good uh, turnover specialist. He carries like there's no tomorrow. And he's got great hands. I guess the only thing is... Obviously, he's been in a few England squads, so I'm assuming that um, Eddie just doesn't like what he sees, I'm assuming. He's also no Genge, is he? Well, no, but you need more than just Genge. Um, no, I agree, but he's, he's no Genge. Right, on to six ways. We'll be brief here, because I haven't seen any of this game, and I don't think you have either, have you? Um, uh, no, not, um, not a lot. But a great send-off at six ways. Obviously, well, I would say full capacity, but full capacity they were allowed. Well, technically not. They were allowed 5,000. They had 4,999. They could have just got one more bugger in there, couldn't they? That um, one bloke who bought a ticket and didn't go. Yeah, I know. What a dickhead. Um, but what I would say is it's worrying for Newcastle because they've just got pumped by a team that's no longer a team. And B... Um, what what a good what rallying spirit, obviously, deciding to play, especially with um, some of these internationals who, if they get a season-ending injury and then don't play again just before the World Cup, that's that's awful for them. But they all decided they wanted to play and look at them, absolutely dominating. Um, uh, well, a poor Newcastle team has to be a bit. Yeah, I, I agree, mate. Definitely agree. Um it's, it's the passion play, isn't it? It's, it's the absolute passion play. Potentially the first, last game that these boys are going to play at six ways. Potentially the last game that Worcester's ever going to play at six ways. So, do you know what I mean? There's a special atmosphere there, one you can't really replicate. So, um, yeah, I think that's why they, uh, they, they jumped up. But now, obviously, they've got some cracking players there as well. So, Is it too early to say Newcastle could not win a game this season? It... I don't know. We, how long have we had that conversation for, though, really? Well, I don't think we've ever gone into a season thinking, oh, they're not going to win a single game. But say Worcester don't play again this season. It's tough, though, mate. It's tough, though, because you look at the other two games, they put a decent fight up against Tigers, and they almost beat Quinns. Yeah, I guess. But they did... It wasn't for a literally a last-minute try from March, and they would have got two losing bonus points from Quinns. Yeah, but I'm not saying about points. I'm saying about wins. 
Well, I know, but that's what I'm saying. Quinns are obviously one of the favourites to be top four. And if you're, you're within five of them, do you know what I mean? That's a good... Uh, it's yeah. got to be good news, right? But as you've always said, Newcastle start well and get worse. Typically. Typically they do. So if they've started well with losing <laughs> and they're only going to get worse... Then strap in Falcon fans. <laughs> yeah, you're going to have a great season. Yeah. Um, but I don't think there's a lot more to say about that one. Um, but then we go on to what a Sunday game this was. Thoroughly enjoyed my time watching this one at Sandy Park. Exeter Quinns, 43-42. Exeter scoring in about the 83rd minute. A bit controversial. We'll start at the end. Start at the end. Good place to start. Oh, pass? No? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. By about three foot. For me, flat. I've always said, I've what? said that was flat. No way. Really? Yeah, it's flat. Hogs pass is flat for me. You are off your head. Flat. Yeah. Really? Yeah, because it looks forward because Schickling, who, what a performance. I think he came off the bench. Did he come off the bench? Yeah, he did. Yeah, absolute ball carrier. He should He should really be, like, I know he's in the training squad. He should really be in contention for, uh, for England. He's min. He can't scrum that well. He, well, I say he can't scrum that well. He's, he's not as good as some of the other options at scrum time, is he? Um, but in the loose, what he offers you, whoa. Yeah, scored a great try um, and looked really good. But I think he's in front of Hogg, and because he's reaching back behind him, it makes him look like it's in front. So he's he's, he's um, looks like it's forward. But I think the flat pass is actually quite flat. I think the biggest tell is the pitch markings. I think Hogg is about half a step behind the pitch marking, and by the time Shicklin gets the ball, he's like halfway into the pitch marking. For me, however, I will add, I don't think it should be overturned by the TMR. I, d- I don't think it's clear and obvious. No, that's that was the big one, wasn't it? That Tempest had given it as a try, and so it couldn't be overturned. Um, interestingly, though, on that, because on the do you remember the try? I can't remember who scored it. Um, there was a try score, I want to say Northmore, um, yeah, where it was in the corner, and Tempest said to the TMO. I can't really see on these HD screens. So it's uh, I can't really see on these screens. It's all up to you on the HD screen. And then he said, yeah, I've had a look on the HD screen. There's no separation, blah, blah, blah. Try. He then goes to the TMO for this one. The TMO, who's got the HD screens with, with the ones that Tempo can't see on on his end. Um, he then says, yeah, it's gone forward. The hands are forward and the, the players had to um, stop and it's still like gone that way. And then Tempest says, well, for me, it's not this. If he couldn't see on the screens in the first case, should he then be disputing the TMO? Do you get what I mean? Yeah. Didn't he rule out the one, the Northmore one, to be fair? I don't know. I think he... Yeah, it's the one where he said his knee was in touch at the same time, or just before. I thought he got given. No, he ruled it out. Really? Yeah, because they said his knee was... Because it's the one-off kickoff, wasn't it? Um yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought it was given. No, they said they ruled it out. Um, yeah, they said his knee was, ju- or his foot was just in touch. Oh, but uh, yeah. I'm pretty sure. I'm like 99% sure. Um, but Northmore, again, what a player. How good was he? Unbelievable. Yeah, he's good. Not he's in the good. England squad, though, obviously. Um, but I did feel like especially the first half. Again, a very two-sided, like, two-half game. They missed Esther Hazen a lot. 
Um, yeah, they did. However, I do think that Lennox guy is actually pretty good. I think he is, but especially that first half, they needed someone to get them going. They needed Nesta Hazen type, and he wasn't doing it. Um, but I, I can tell you, I, I could do a ta- ta- tactical analysis of you if you wanted. Yes. Basically, I figured out how, well, it was very obvious how Quinn's became dominant in the second half compared to the first half. Go for if it. You, if you look at the first half, um, Quinn's were just running at the forwards and at day viewers and the likes of that who were just getting on top of them, battering them back. Um, but when you looked at it, Quinn's backline especially, and then you compare it to Exeter's backline. Exeter's backline, what was it? Um, Harvey, what's he called? Harvey, Harvey Skinner. Harvey Skinner, 10. Um, centers, 12. And Slade. And a back three of Woodburn. Who was on the other wing? Um, I can't remember who was on the other wing. Hog at fullback. No, no Simmons. Simmons at fullback. Fullback. And I can't even remember who was on the other one. Um, oh, Jack Knoll. Um, oh, yeah, of course, yeah. And you compare, none of those guys really have got any pace. Yeah. Uh, so Not like electric. None, yeah. Whereas, do you look at like Northmore, Lennox, you look at um, obviously Murley, Tyrone Green, uh, outside them, Marchant, as soon as they start going wide and putting a bit of gas on it, X just couldn't compete with um with with their pace. And I think that was their maybe it looked how they shifted in the first half. But the first half they were very much going pack against pack and were kind of losing out because Exeter had the stronger pack. As soon as they started going right, we'll go round them instead, Exeter were really, really struggling. And yeah, at, at any time they need a break, they pretty much scored because the Exeter covering players couldn't get anywhere near them. Because Woodburn had a good game on an attack, I think. But he struggled a bit in defence because when he's coming up against Caden Murley and Tyrone Green, he just hasn't got the legs anymore. Um, so I think they really, really struggled when uh, Harlequin's changed and went for a pacey trying to break through. But I think a lot of that came down to Northmore. He made so many breaks and looked so good. Um, and especially, yeah, I think it was better when Hogg came on because that was the problem as well. Quite often when they got to the last man, Joe Simmons has got anti-gas pretty much. Whereas... Um, Whereas Hog obviously is very very quick, which helped them out massively in D. Yeah, no, I, I massively agree, mate. Yeah, I'm I'm very much with you. That's a good a uh, good call for sure. Um, you look at the speed everywhere in the. In the um... What though? X is six. Was it six or seven? Um, what's he called? I can't remember. Christ to Chunzia, Chunzia. What he called? He was so good, mate. He's unbelievable. I mean, defending for his try wasn't great, but he. Just, just present, well, what a goose just, step as well. I know, and like when he pump, starts pumping his legs up the sideline, he goes as well. Mate, should I tell you my only thing? And this isn't even a criticize criticism about him at all. I cannot wait to see him playing regularly as a as a five. Why? Because you have him. Basically, what that means is you can then have a more mobile seven to come in as well. Yeah, I guess you have someone like Johnny Gray. Just putting in the hard yards at four, Christ out there just like going mental, like exploiting the space, paying in the wide channels if he wants to, and then having like a maybe a capstick seven, um, you were you were six, and then Simmons eight. That's nice, mate. Yeah, I well, I mean, 
I exited back. I mean, after the first half, I was kind of like Exeter back. This is, they look like they're right back to where they were. Obviously, second half was a lot more shaky. But then Quinns are a good team. And they managed to find a win out of nowhere. Like, realistically, it looked like Quinns had all the momentum. Quinns were going for it. it only, also, that's another thing I want to put out. I'll, I'll, actually, I'll, I'll say that in a minute. But do you think Exeter are back? Yeah, I think they are. Yeah, Fully or just yeah, half? I think, I think they are. Yeah, I, I wouldn't argue against you. Also, the other point, how ridiculous is that win predictor fucking stupid graphic they've got now? <laughs> yeah, it's awful, isn't it? It's mean, they were uh, at half time, X uh, wins were 19, uh, no, X were 99% to win, and there was 1% chance of draw. Quins, I think, get it back to about 26 31, and Exeter are still fucking about 70% chance favourites. And it's like, how? Quins have all the momentum, and yet. And it was the same with the Northampton-Leicester game. When Northampton went 14-3 up, it said Northampton were um, about 65 70% favourites to win. And I'm like, that's a, then barely the, the, a try, and then suddenly Leicester right back in this game. It was in about 20, in about 25th minute. Like how, is, how are they 76% chance they win? It was, it was the biggest load of bollocks ever. <laughs> it is a bit ridiculous, then, to be honest. I sort of understand the premise of it, but it's just a little bit too gimmicky for me. Well, it's just like based on what? Like, I just don't understand. It. What is it based on? Yeah, I, I really don't know. I really don't know. There's probably something complicated behind the scenes, isn't there? But yeah, yeah, it was the fact. Yeah, Quinns had just come all the way back, and they were like five points behind, and they with all the momentum looked like they were about to with about twenty minutes left because they done it in about fifth. In about twenty minutes, they completely changed the game around. And they were still about 10% chance they'd win. I mean, ultimately, yes, it was correct. But, <laughs> yeah. I mean, get in the bin. Yeah, I'm with you, mate. I'm absolutely with you. But no, I, th- I think I don't think there's going to be many teams that are going to go and get much off Exeter, especially at Sandy Park. No, no, I don't think so. They look very, very good. And we didn't put them in our top four either of us, so that we're looking good. Good. Love it. Yep. Um, right. The only thing left, predictions, I guess. Yeah. Um, talking about last week, you actually won. I um, did. Yeah. We'll only focus on that, I think. Well, well, you won, but to be fair, we only went for one different one. So um, it was well, basically on the Worcester, Worcester Newcastle, whoever whoever got that one right won. Um, wow. And I won. So. And you won. <laughs> but if we went the week before, I got every result right, um, but we, you, I reckon you didn't actually go to King's Home last week. Old news, mate. Um, Old you news. just wanted to talk about the predictions. Old news. Who wants to hear so, about two weeks ago? What I thought about, you know, I said about keeping score of how many predict. What we just do is keep score of who, like a point for each week on who's got the most. Yeah, I'll do that. So I've got two, and you've got one. Yeah. Are you keeping a note of this? If this yes. gets lost, this is now on record on the podcast that we can come back to and say, James said he was going to keep a record. I will keep a record. I'm, as, as long as I'm winning, I'll keep a record. Um, <laughs> we <laughs> yeah, are... It's lost. Yeah, I've won. I am 2-1 out, currently. Okay. Um, yeah, that's fine. That's fine. I'm okay with that. Um, obviously, this week we are down a game week. Uh, down a game because the Gloucester-Worcester game has been cancelled or postponed. 
Yes. Have you seen Skiv's comments on that, by the way? Just as we've been recorded, Skivington has made yes. some comments on this. It looks like they're being taken completely out of context, but I'm going to read the bit which is being taken out of context for you now um, because I can see a lot of uh, Worcester fans are going a little bit nuts saying they were going to come across and support Gloucester for the time being, um, but they said they're no longer going to because Skivington has... Uh, hey, dis- Worcester fans are going to come in and support Gloucester. Are they all right? Apparently. Apparently, but well, they can get in. The, I don't want them like that. What I it's in the big, what, supporting Worcester, but it's their next local club, isn't it? It makes sense. I don't care. Well, this is what Skivington said anyway. Um, when he was asked on what, um, what whether what they what he's expecting to happen to Worcester, um. So he asked. He said he expects them to be removed from the from the top flight, and then. He said, I honestly think the rules are in place for a reason. Is it fair or unfair? It's not fair on the players, coaches and support staff. Some would say, but someone should be held accountable at the end of the day. So Ain't that wrong? I, you know, I actually don't agree. I don't disagree with him, to be honest. Yeah. Um, but There are rules there for a reason. And, and unfortunately, it threw none of the fans fault or anything. But like, if you start disregarding the rules, what's the point? Um, he does also, it's, it's worth to note, right, for, for a lot of people, because this is being taken um, in quite a, an interesting way. If you look at his interview on Rugby Pass that they they posted, um, they he, he speaks very honestly, but very fairly about the, uh, the situation. And he speaks about the personal loss to Gloucester, which he said obviously is not as bad as what Worcester are going through. But over the cancelled game last year and the cancelled game this year, they will lose about a million quid. Um, with the financial situation that all rugby clubs are in right now, losing a million quid is quite a, a but, tough mistake, isn't it? Have you seen what Gloucester are doing? In so, yeah, Gloucester, oh, yes, yes, I have. Yeah, take yeah. Us Gloucester, Lance Bradley, the owner or whatever he is of Gloucester, put out a big thing today, um, basically reassuring the fans because obviously there's been lots of speculation about oh, how are other clubs doing financially, how are they. And he put out a big, uh, a big message on their uh, on their um, website, saying basically the club is in financially stable position. We are, uh, they are fine currently. Um, they said a lot of the speculation and and there was a, a graphic which went round which meant was meant to show how much debt each club were in, and they he basically came out and said that's a load of rubbish. Um, a lot of these numbers aren't true for us as as Gloucester. So he said he's not he's assuming that's it won't be true for a lot of the other clubs, but obviously he doesn't know exactly what debt other teams are in. Um, obviously, a lot of the teams are in debt because they all took a um, a loan during COVID to get through that time. But um, they said for Gloucester themselves, they are doing fine. And they have put on an open training session, um, which is free um, uh, to go down to King's Home and watch. You have to have a ticket, but you, the tickets are free. Um, and then, and then they said in the bars afterwards they're showing the um, Leicester Saracens game. So I think it's happening early afternoon on 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 Saturday, and they're opening it up, uh, letting all the fans go and watch the open training session, um, which I think is good just to try and get a bit of. Obviously, it's a bit crap having games cancelled, so it's good to. Um, it's go a good and, incentive, isn't it? Yeah, it's great incentive. Yeah, get a bit of money in the club as well with a bit of beer, beer money and stuff. So. Yeah, it means it's not a total loss, though. Um, obviously, I, I think the, the frustrating thing is no one's saying that 
Worcester aren't a casualty, you know. We're all no. aware that the, the people that are biggest affected by this are Worcester, without a doubt. Um, but yeah, it does have a knock-on effect to a lot of different clubs as well with the uh, the loss of fixture. So, so yeah. But predictions? Um, and also, the other thing I think is good is, is it's a good reassuring message that we've seen a lot of um, uh, negativity and or are all the clubs going to go the same way? So I think it's a good message to send out that, look, not every club is going to end up in the same position Worcester are in, which I think is 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 worth noting. Yeah, definitely. Definitely true as that, mate. Definitely true as that. Yes, on to predictions, though. Um, yeah. Round four starts on Friday night at Kingston Park with a thriller in Manila. No, just a thriller in Newcastle. But it's probably... <laughs> I like it. I think you should have carried on. Well, thriller in Man- it's not in Manila, though. <laughs> well, thriller just... just thriller is Geordie thriller. Geordie... I don't know. It's going to be Newcastle against Bristol. Um, who you got? Bristol, I think. Yeah. I'll tell you what, though, and not not because of either allegiances to any other clubs, but I think if Newcastle went on to win that game, it would really put the cat amongst the pigeons. I don't get that saying. Why is that cat amongst pigeons? Well, it just causes a bit of like... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Panic, okay, yeah. But a little bit, of a little bit of a scene, doesn't it, you know? Um, not really, because I don't think Bristol that good anyway. But they're, they're top of the league. They've won three games. They're starting to build and they're going back to their old sort of self, aren't they? So even if they don't look like title winners as of right now, they're building to that point. So if a new capital who have had sort of the opposite start of the season, three three losses, then host them on a Friday night and win on BE Sport, bash. BE Sport? Hey, hey, I realise I said that really weird then. BE yeah, yeah. Sport. Sport. <laughs> um, I think the, the only thing I would say is have any team had an easier run than Bristol um, in this if first Bath, Wasps and... Bath, Wasps, Irish, now Newcastle. Yeah, maybe so, actually, maybe so. And well, then... Probably Gloucester. We've only played. <laughs> yeah, true. Played but then... Yeah. Um, but I, yeah, Gloucester have only played two games. But they have played Saracens. Um, anyway, I'm going to go for Bristol as well. I think... Uh, Newcastle, Bristol look better, Newcastle look worse, and Bristol are going to win. Yep, cool. Genge, two tries, are Genge for two. Jackie could be top try scorer. When was the last time a prop was top try scorer? Eh? I don't know if it's ever happened, to be fair. No, that'd be a bit of a turn out, wouldn't it? I don't think it's going to happen, but lies in, he'll be top try scorer, but I reckon he got two. Um, there we go to the Saturday games, and we'll go. If we are doing a game of the week, probably this one, Saracens Leicester at the Stonex. Saracens for me, I think. It's difficult, isn't it? Obviously, this was a big contentious game last year um, with the whole Dan Kelly incident. Is he a ba- it, What happened to Dan Kelly? Is he still about? Or is I think he... he's injured. Yeah. I was going to say, I haven't seen him. Um, yeah, I think he's injured. He won the Premiership and then just disappeared. He didn't. He, he didn't fancy anymore. He's like, I've completed rugby. No, he's um, a pretty good player, isn't he? He'll definitely come back. He'll probably come in over Goppo, I suppose. You'd imagine, but Goppo's been doing a job. Um, yeah, definitely. Uh, I'm. Yeah, I'm going to go for Saris at home. 
as I said, I don't think Leicester played that well. Okay. Um, Pollard was on the bench, though. An interesting thing to note. Uh, not on the bench, but he was... But he was there, yeah. There. Learning the ways. Um, which would be good for Leicester fans, I guess. But, um, yeah, I think Sarri's as well. You can't keep agreeing. Otherwise, our, our things aren't going to work. That's fine, mate. You're agreeing with me so far. Yeah, I know. But last week, you agreed with me. Um, then we'll go to the Brentford Stadium, or whatever it's called. Irish against Bath. Irish for me. The GTEC Community Stadium. I reckon Irish will do. I mean, Arundel five tries. By the way, how good is Arundel? I think we we need to talk about that real quick. I don't, think, I don't think we do. Genuinely phenomenal. But okay, that's all I've got to say. I uh, yeah, I think overrated. But um, what overrated? Um, he's got the most meters made. He's only played one full game. Yeah, but everyone making a big thing about that try. Come on, he outran Randall. He's not that fast and a forward. Mate, you have you need to cheer up for next episode. It's not like Aaron Dow outran Resamit from a standing start. If you've done that, fair enough. He outran bloody Randall, who's fairly quick. He's not but slow, not... yeah, he's not slow. But he's not that quick and a forward. Like, oh wow, he's got an intercept. Like he scored an intercept try and he ran the length. Like, that's what most people do with intercept tries. Why you is it so amazing? amazing? You are just hating. He had a good game. He had a good game. No, he's I'm not saying about his rest of his performance. I'm just saying that try was just like, I don't understand why the hype is. So all, all I'm getting from that is you don't like clubs developing young players. So that's, that's yeah, yeah. Who, who you go for. I'll go for Irish, though, because Bath are crap. Um, <laughs> we'll go to Manchester for Sale Exeter. Exeter. Why does this say the Salford City Stadium? Yeah, that's happened a couple of times now. What is it not called the AJ Bell anymore? I honestly don't know. I need to sort of look into it. I think it is still the AJ Bell, right? I don't know. Maybe I guess AJ Bell were a sponsor, weren't they? So maybe they're not the sponsor anymore. No, I think I think it is still AJ Bell. I'll, we'll research it for next episode. I don't know. I'm assuming that they wouldn't get it wrong on the official Prem website, though. Um, Right. Uh, I'm gonna go for Sale. Just to be different. I Sale have looked quite good when they played this year. Um, they have looked decent. Yeah, they have looked decent. I just think Exeter might. I don't know. Uh, who? Gonna go for Sale. It's it's not a nice place to go because it's just a long trek. So especially from Exeter, it's a long old trek. So I'm gonna go for Sale. No, I um, think it's a fair call. Fair call. It'll be a good game. I think that might be one of the closer ones. Yeah, I don't think you're gonna get the blowout. Looking at the fixtures this week. I think maybe Irish is a big scoring game, but apart from that, I think it'll be lower scoring this week. Apart from this one, maybe, which is Quinn's, uh, Quinn's Northampton at Stoop. I'm going to go for Quinn's. I, I don't think they get beaten by Northampton at Stoop. No? I think it'll be a really good game, but I think Quinn's will have enough at Stoop. It depends for me. If you get the first half Northampton against the first half Quinn's, then Northampton would win. But if you got the second half of both of those teams, then Quinn's would win. It's... it's well, it depends if Northampton keep uh, 15 players on the field. Yeah. Um, I'm going to go Northampton, actually, just because I think their defence... Well, I don't think. I know. Their defence really impressed me um, against Leicester. When they have 15 men on, they looked really solid. And Quinns are missing Esterhaze, and they are. Um, yeah, true. So, and, and it's another one that goes against you. So, when I beat you, it'll be even more sweet. Uh, <laughs> wow. Um, so just to recap, we've both gone for Bristol against Newcastle. We've both gone for London Irish against Bath. 
Um, I've gone for Sale to beat Exeter, but you've gone for Exeter to beat Sale at Sale. We've both gone for Saracens to beat Leicester. Um, and you've gone for Harlequins, and I've gone for Northampton at the Stoop. It's going to um, be a good old week again, man. Yeah, should be. Every week's good. I think that's the thing with the, the salary cap, although it's a bit crap and maybe the rugby quality in general has gone crap, it means the teams are closer together. Um, I don't think the rugby quality has gone crap. I just feel like you've lost a no, it among these players, you know? Yeah, I don't think it's gone crap. I don't, I, don't, I don't mean it's gone crap, but maybe it's gone slightly down because you haven't got as many international players as, as you previously had in, 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 um, in uh, previous years. But you still got it has made it more competitive, I will agree. And we all like competitive games. Look at the last game week. Like how many how many teams scored a lot of points and most of them were tight. Um, which is really exciting and fun to watch. Um, but anyway, I think that's everything. It's been quite a long podcast because obviously we didn't do one last week, but and a lot of news happened this week. But I hope you enjoyed. Um I think that's everything. Yeah, see you on the next one. Yep. Bye bye.